Today's scripture comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. We're going to read uh, in the ESV. Uh, there are ESV Bibles that are under your seats. And uh, if you want to look that up, that would be great. Um, if you're worshiping with us from home, feel free to look that up. But just know we're also going to post it. Uh, the, the, the slide will be up there. But sometimes it's kind of hard to read, especially if you're like looking at this on your phone or something. And so feel free to look up the scripture on your own. And for those here in person, those who are comfortable doing this at home, um, if you could please stand uh, as, uh, when you're ready to read the scripture as able. Again, it's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. All right, friends. Uh, we are continuing the sermon series that we've been going through the entire uh, year. I mean, really, you could do this forever, right? You're talking about life. That the things we talk about in faith are supposed to impact our life. And so, you know, today we're going to be talking about the community of grace. Last week we talked about the life of grace. And it just makes sense that we extend it to our community. And so much of what we have been trying to do throughout this year and in LGM, and even when we were talking about you know, why we wear name tags and why we have snacks and fellowship and these kinds of things, you know, why we have small groups and these different um, activities in the church, it's not just to keep ourselves busy. It's not just to have fun. You know, having fun is great, but it's because we want to be connected. I think I mentioned this uh, the other week that... I think if, if you had to describe what was the goal of the Christian life, I would, in one word, I would say connection. We want to be connected to God, don't you? Right? Isn't that it, like, like in, in our hearts, that desire? I want to be closer to God. I hear so many people say that. Pastor Steve, sometimes it feels like when I'm praying, I, I'm just praying at the wall. I, I don't feel that connection. You know, maybe sometimes as you've been walking through this season, of COVID and, and through the, the uh, quarantine and beyond and, you know, things are getting a little bit better, but still, maybe some of you, you feel lonely and you wonder, is God really there? 
And, you know, I was thinking about this idea of connection. And I thought about this very, 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 very famous painting. I'm not sure if you can call it a painting as much as it is a fresco. Are you guys familiar with this? It's like one of the most famous paintings in the world of all time. What, what, what is this, friends? Does anyone know what this is? Anyone knows what this is? I, I, hear, I, I heard someone kind of whisper it. It's the, it starts with an S. At least it's part of it. There's, there's a lot more to this, this uh, fresco. It's the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Some, some people are like, Sistine Chapel, I knew it, I knew it. <laughs> yeah, it's so famous, right? And it was made by Michelangelo, who, uh, not the Ninja Turtle, right, but the Renaissance painter. And uh, I just very tastefully cropped it because uh, this is the creation of Adam, right? And so on the right, you have God. And so God, uh, it's kind of hard to see uh, in our slide, but God is surrounded by like angels and, and all these angels are like there with God. And he is reaching out to this human being that he just created, right? The first man. And um, when God created the man, the man was like completely naked. So I kind of like tastefully cropped the image. <laughs> you guys can tell. Um, but friends, just take a look at the way Michelangelo represents this, this creation and this relationship with God. It's like the two hands, the two fingers are like so close, but they're not touching. You guys notice that, right? Guys, I think that so accurately describes maybe sometimes the feeling that we have in our relationship with God. Sometimes we feel like, like we're getting there, we're close, we're like, but it's not quite there. I got to tell you, uh, some of you may know I'm rehabbing from uh, a wrist injury. I broke my wrist, shattered my wrist in February, and it's been going well. It's been about five weeks, and so now I can make a fist Check it out, guys. It's getting much better. And one of the exercises I've been doing is trying to connect my fingers, right? Because my fingers, they got like mad curled when, when I fell. And it was just like kind of stuck there for a couple weeks. And so I couldn't move my fingers at all. And so they had me do this exercise where I go like this. And check it out, guys. It's like, oh, boom, boom, boom. And then this one, no, it won't touch. It gets so close. And yo, I'm not, I, I'm not like, trying to exaggerate. This is what happens when I try. It like shakes like crazy. I hate that, by the way. By the way, This is my pride. When I go to the, the, the uh, occupational therapy and they're like, hey, you know, go like this. And I get to this one and I'm like, oh man, my, my, my like fingers are going to tremble and I just don't like it. It's just my, oh, my ego. But yo, I get so close. I'm like, mm, uh, oh, maybe it's going to happen right here, guys, live. Oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. It gets so close, though. It gets so close, and oh, man, that's what it feels like sometimes with God. But I got to tell you, I don't think it's just our relationship with God that that's true, that we don't have this nice connection. But I think that also happens in our relationship with other people. You know, maybe sometimes you feel like you're kind of close to people, but not like super close. Maybe sometimes at church, you know, you, you hear me talking about like, yeah, yeah, guys, over donuts, you know, wear name tags and, you know, like, like get to know each other. And sometimes, man, you come here and sometimes you're like, oh, yo, that's my friend or that's my brother or that's my sister. And you feel that closeness and other times, not so close, a little bit of a distance. Why? Where did this come from, friends? Right? Because you see this representation where you're not quite touching, 
But in the beginning, if you guys remember, God was walking around the garden, right, with the man and woman, right? That the man and woman would walk around, and the man and woman, hand in hand, they're completely bucking naked because they have no shame, right? They don't care. There's nothing, nothing that's going to make them want to hide, right? And they're just strolling around, right? And then God is there in the garden, and we lost that. How did we lose that? How did we lose that? Interactive sermon. It's a three-letter word. People hate this word. It sounds so, oh, seedy. Starts with S and rhymes with shin. <laughs> it's sin, right? Uh, you guys may have heard me talk about this. Sin is not just like the bad stuff you do. It's not just like the lies or, you know, like hurting someone. It, it is those things, but those are more a symptom of the condition that we call sin. When human beings fell, what happened was our relationship with God got shattered. And, and so there's a separation between us and God. And so the Greek word for sin is represented in this picture. It's harmatia, which is an archery term. And it means literally to miss the mark. And so this idea that we're just off now, right? We were supposed to be perfectly in sync with God and by the way, you were supposed to be perfectly in sync with other people. It wasn't just God, right? Sometimes we treat them like two different things. But if you think about the fact that we are supposed to be united with God, right? What happens if we're all united to God? Sometimes I do this illustration. I'm not going to do it right now because of COVID. But I'll be like, hey, guys, pretend this podium is God, and I'll get a bunch of people. And, and I'll be like, move closer to God. Right? And so you'll start moving closer to God. And then what you see is that when people move closer to God, they also move closer to each other. Right? And it, these two things are connected. Right? And so because of sin, this is why we have this disconnection. Right? And so we need a solution. We need a way for this shattered relationship to be repaired. How? Jesus Christ. I heard someone say it. They're like, Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus Christ. Yes, through what Jesus did for us. And it's what we call grace. So we didn't read this, but this came right before uh, what we read today. And it is one of the most famous passages, especially when we talk about grace. It's talking about how we can be saved. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Now, guys, we're going to discuss this in a moment. You're going to see what are we being saved from. Most of the time, when you hear about salvation, we have this image that, to be honest, I mean, it's part of it. It's part of it. Don't get me wrong, but it is not the whole thing when it comes to salvation. We, we just hear, we want to go to the good place when we die, right? And so we say this prayer, we say we believe in Jesus, and then after we die, we get saved. But friends, when you look at this passage, and when you're going to look at all the stuff when it talks about salvation, like even historically, right? Just imagine that you are in a place where, I don't know, like you fall into a river. And you're crying out, and there's a bunch of people on the riverbank, and you're like, save me! Save me! Save me! And they're like, do you believe in Jesus? Because <laughs> you're about to drown, but I hope I get to see you in the good place. What does it mean? What does it mean? Right? If you're in trouble right now, if there's a problem right now and you're saying, save me, 
It means that we solve that problem that we are going through right now. And right now, we have a problem. Not just in eternity after you die. Yes, 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 if you believe in Jesus, you will never die. I mean, you'll taste this physical death, but you will get to be with God for eternity. But the problem of the separation between us and God and our separation with other people, that's here and now. And this grace that we're talking about is meant to solve that situation that we're facing right now, right now. So it says, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And then verse 10, what does it say? For, whoa, why did I skip? Okay, sorry. Verse 10, so we are God's handiwork. You might have heard me preach on this passage before. The word for handiwork in Greek is poema. I love it. It's a Greek word for poem. I really, really wish they just left that in there. For we are God's poem, right? We are God's masterpiece. That's a, probably a better translation, right? Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Man, there's so much there. It's so much good stuff, right? We're going to talk in a little bit what those good works that we are created to do. But friends, I want to just point out a couple things, right? We receive this grace so that we can do something else. It's not just grace so that you wait and you just live your life as selfishly as you want and you just do whatever you want until you're, I don't know, God willing, 80, 90, 100 years old. And then at that point, you die. And now the grace kicks in. Mm -mm. No, friends. This grace is for your life now. And by the way, just want to point out one other thing. You guys see verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. Who is he talking about? What is he talking about? He's not just talking about you as an individual. This is usually how we take it. I'm like, I'm God's masterpiece? Thank you. I am pretty nice, right? He's saying we are God's masterpiece. What Paul is talking about here is the community, right? This people that he is trying to create. It's the kingdom that God is trying to bring about, right? And so you're going to see, uh, let's jump into verse 11. It's not just for us as individuals. We need to repair these relationships that are broken between us and God, but also us and other people. So he says, therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. Now, this is a little bit of unpacking. If you guys are new to church, if you guys aren't familiar uh, with um, the, the religion of Israel, the Jewish religion, that one of the signs of being the chosen people of God is circumcision. And it is a surgery that happens to men in some very delicate parts. That's all I'm going to say, right? It's a physical marking that is unmistakable, right? And I think for some people, for the Jewish people, you know, for one, I mean, it, it, it was an extreme thing to do at that time. And for some people, and by the way, actually, I mean, I, I'm not, it, yeah, I'm not going to get too into it, but, you know, people just do it for hygiene now. Um, that's all I'm going to say, I promise. But... At the same time, for the Jewish people, it made them feel special. It made them feel like, we are the people of God, and you're not. And so there's this separation. 
And Paul is actually kind of affirming the fact that, yes, Gentiles, non-Jewish people, were separated from Christ, separated from God, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now, guys, don't worry. Paul is actually sometimes more harder on the Jewish people in the ways that they had the law and they had this relationship with God and they squandered it. So don't think he's just taking it out on the Gentiles. But he's trying to talk about a profound truth here. That yes, there was separation. There's separation from God and there's also separation from other people. Right? Jews and Gentiles, there's this big chasm between them that existed. Right? But Paul says, now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So again, guys, this is the example, right? Jews, Gentiles, by the blood of Christ, were brought closer to God, and so therefore were brought closer to each other. Is that your experience of the church? Are we a connected church? Or are we more like this? This is from a movie called The Suicide Squad. They had these really silly superheroes and villains, and this guy was the, the detachable kid. And his power is really dumb. His power is that his arms and limbs can detach from his body. I know, it's so dumb. It's kind of like when I was a kid and I was like playing with like action figures. Back then, like we had like He-Man and G.I. Joes. And sometimes you would play too rough and you'd like pull on their arm and the arm would just poof, just come off, right? And I wonder if that's the way the body of Christ is at times. Are we connected? Are we close? close to God and close to each other? Or is there some distance that exists between us? Friends, I want to show you that that should not be. In the heart of Christ is for us to be united. Now, guys, um, I uh, want to show you a passage. And I know this might be a little tedious. So you have a choice, okay? Okay. How many of you guys would rather say something out loud or would you rather just kind of like raise your hand? What's more comfortable? Raise the hand. Yeah, I saw someone raise their hand. So, okay. All right, guys. Um, maybe it's just like, like you can just do like a little fist bump. Just go like this, okay? Every time you see the word one, when we say the word one, I want to see every hand go up. If I don't see every hand go up, we're going to keep doing it, right? The alternative is that we all say one together. Okay, so <laughs> you're going to see it, guys, because I, I, I promise you there's a reason for this, right? Um, let's take a look. This is uh, what we call the high priestly prayer. What is that? It's Jesus' last prayer with his disciples that's recorded in Scripture before he goes to the cross. Yo, you got to think, if you're about to go to the cross, right, and you're not going to be physically with the disciples anymore, you got to think that this prayer is an important prayer. This is the heart of Jesus for the disciples. But one of the cool things about this prayer is he doesn't just pray for his 12 disciples. He prays for us. Guys, let me show you, right? Right here, he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. He's praying for us. What is the heart of Jesus for us, guys? I want to know. Don't you want to know? All right, now remember, I, I, I got to see some hands go up, okay, whenever we see the word one. That they may all be one. All right, I see some hands going up. Good. Just as you, Father, are in me and in you, that they also may be in us. Do you guys see that? They may be one, right? Father, you're in me 
and I'm in you, and I want them to be in us too. We're coming together. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. So, guys, um, it's kind of cut off there, but yeah. (laughs) Uh, Friends, you see, this is the heart of Jesus for his people, is that he wants us to become, one more time, last time, last time, I promise, one, right? We did that like five, six times, right? Jesus I mean, yo, God created the heavens and the, 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 the earth with like one sentence. If Jesus keeps repeating this word, don't you think it's important? Oh my goodness, don't you think it's important? But man, the church, we've missed this. This is so much of Jesus' heart for us, is that we become one. But man, you look over the centuries, church is like probably one of the most divided institutions you'll ever see. Right? We get divided by doctrine. We get divided by you know, what, whether you baptize your babies by sprinkling water or immersing them. Right? You guys laugh, but seriously, like whole churches have like, completely split from each other. Man, I'm going to kill you because you want to sprinkle. Like, what? Are you kidding me? We have lost the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus is he wants us to be with him. And to be with him means that we are with each other. How do we do this, guys? Like, like, so the way that it gets described, you're going to see this. There's a wall of hostility. Let's take a look at what Jesus wants to do about this hostility, this thing that is dividing us from each other. He says, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So, yo, this right here, right? Like, we're trying to get closer to one another, but we can't quite get there. And, and, and there's this separation. This is the wall of hostility. How does this happen between us and God? Well, you see, he says, um, Jesus himself is our peace. He's going to abolish the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. There's a couple things here. This is a loaded statement, guys. But it's talking about the law of commandments. Now, yo, that's the law, right? There's all these laws that are in the Bible. And and I got to tell you, a lot of people have misunderstood this. They think like, okay, so law bad, right? Let's just, just shelve that whole thing. It's not that the law is bad. But it's that the law cannot create the closeness that Jesus desires. Like seriously, think about any law. Any law, Right? If you think about the enforcement of any law, it does not breed a close relationship. Have you guys ever been like like uh, driving on the highway or something? For those of you guys who drive, and you you, you look at your your speedometer and you're like, oh shoot, I'm going 80 miles an hour, or I'm going 85, and then you look up and it says like 70, right? So you're going like 15 miles over, and then you look up and there's a police officer, just like in the median, right? And as you pass, the police officer starts to pull out. What is your feeling? Do you feel incredibly close to this police officer right now? Like, oh, my friend, my friend. Of course not. 
you're going to be feeling some hostility, right? This is my enemy. This is somebody who wants to punish me, right? Friends, in the same way, think about our relationship with God. Even for some of you who are like really good church-going people, right? When you break a law, when you mess up, when you sin, what is the feeling you have towards God? Are you like, God, (laughs) I love you so much? Or are you like, oh, shoot, I got to hide. There's so many of us, man, when we mess up, it does not make us want to press into the heart of Jesus. It wants us to run as far as we can. It wants us to, we want to hide our face from God. This is why Jesus had to come and he became our peace and he died and he became the price that was paid for our sin so that we could become close to God again, right? Not only that, friends, but there's actually some people out there who would obey the law. And they'd be like, mm, law, check. Mm, I got that one. I didn't speed. Yeah, I love the Lord. Yeah, I came to church on Sunday. And they, they got the check marks, right? They, they're getting the stickers. Now, what about the people who aren't getting the stickers? You know what they feel towards those people? They're like, you suck, <laughs> right? You are not a true Christian. You are not a true person of God. And when they show up at church, the people who feel like they're obeying the law just judge those people all over the place. Mm, you're just not good enough for me. Get out of here. So what's happening here, too? There's a separation between us and other people when we judge them, when we think other people are less than. And so there's a hostility that exists there, right? That's what we're talking about. This idea that the Jewish people are like, oh, well, we're circumcised, so we're special. Oh, we got the law, so we're special. And Paul is saying Jesus came and he became our peace. He exed that, right? He came to, to bridge the gap that any of those things would separate, right? If there's any feeling when you're with another person that there's this feeling like, "Mm, yeah, I just don't feel that close to you. This is what Jesus came to end, the wall of hostility, right? What is hostility really, friends? What is it? Do you think about it, right? It's like this this idea like like you want to fight. You want to fight or you want to protect yourself or you want to run. Why? Because you think someone's a threat. Because at the, at, at, at the bottom of hostility is fear. This is why sometimes you come in on a Sunday morning. And it's not like you hate the people here. But there's a little bit of hostility. Right? Not a hostility like you want to hurt someone. But there's fear. Fear of what? Like, I, I, like I'm telling you guys, I experience this when I'm at church. For myself. <laughs> there are times... You know, guys, I'm telling you, like, like I, I really kind of push the name tags on you guys, and a lot of it is for myself. But it's for myself because I know that other people have this experience. It is mad embarrassing. I introduced myself to a couple of people today that I've met many times before. Uh, and it was so embarrassing, you know? And they were, like, really cool about it and really gracious. But, like, I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to know your names, right? But I got to tell you, like, there's a lot of you. Some of you guys, especially if you have a Korean name, oh, man, you know, it's so hard. It's so hard to remember. And it's embarrassing, man. So what do we do usually? Like, oh, I'm supposed to know your name. This makes me uncomfortable. If I go up in front of you and, and like, you know that I don't know your name, then it's going to be, like, awkward. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just not going to talk to you. That's not closeness. That's not being one, right? There's that little bit of hostility. That's why I want you guys to wear your name tag so we can be like, 
James, right? You're like, I forgot your name, but you didn't even know that because you got a name tag and I just peeped it real quick. Yo, people don't really use Facebook that much. There are some Sundays where like I'd see someone, I was like, oh shoot, what's your name? What's your name? What's your I'm gonna look you up on Facebook real quick. But so many people don't have Facebook anymore. It's getting harder to do, harder to get away with. Friends, I, I, I just see the heart of Jesus. He wants to get rid of these things that divide us, right? And he wants to create one new man in place of the two, so making peace. What he's saying there is that Jews thought they were something special because they had the circumcision. I'm a different kind of man. I'm a different kind of human than you Gentiles. We use this label. And Paul is saying, no, Jesus came, so you're all human. You're all sons and daughters of God. There's no distinction. And so we have that kind of closeness. Maybe sometimes, you know, LGM, I'm just going to call it like I see it, friends. I'm going to be honest. Most people who come, not everyone, but most people are Asian and look a certain way, right? But what does it matter in the kingdom of God? Why should we treat someone different because they look different than us? And I know some people are like, yeah, but Pastor Steve, you got to understand, like we're minorities in society, you know? And so every day we're out there and there's hostility. So on Sunday morning, When I come to church, I see a bunch of people who kind of look like me, and I feel more comfortable. Okay, cool, 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 cool. But guys, that's just like a natural thing, right? That's just, anyone can do that in the world. You can find a bunch of people who just look like you, and and you have the same interests, and and you have the same sense of humor, and, 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 you know, like, like you're kind of at the same stage of life. That's just called a club, right? We're meant to be more than a club. If there is something that is dividing you from someone else, what is going to destroy that division, that hostility, is the peace that only Jesus can bring us. And in a place like this, we get a chance to practice that. right? So guys, let's take a look at what it continues to say. right? It says, And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. We have to lean on this cross and realize that there was a price to pay for the hostility that existed between us and God, but it has been paid in full. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. What's happening? When Jesus is coming and he's preaching this peace, he's like, come here, come here, come here, come here. I want you to be with me. I don't want there to be any fear. Jesus is trying to drive out the fear. And so instead of the fear, what are we supposed to have? What is the alternative? The world is filled with fear. We run away from people. We attack people. We protect ourselves because of fear. But in the body of Christ, we are defined by love. 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. What we've been trying to do, what we've been talking about this whole time, is to have a different kind of atmosphere, a different kind of ecosphere. I talk about this sometimes. You go out in the world, and there's an awkwardness just in the air because we're so afraid of each other, because we don't know each other, because we fear the unknown. What if someone doesn't like me? What if someone attacks me? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And that fear drives us apart. You can't just go to a neighbor and be like, hey, you want to be my friend? Too much awkwardness, (laughs) too much fear, too much uncertainty. But when we come to church, to the community of Christ, what we desire is there's a different kind of air here. We breathe different air, and that air is love. 
It's the spirit of love, and we're soaking in it. I love that praise song. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. The spirit of Christ is not a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of love, right? Even if the fear, we, we, we think of it as a holy thing. Oh, I messed up. I sinned. I sinned. It's still separating you from God because it's creating fear, right? It's, it, fear has to do with punishment, it says in the Bible, right? But this idea that we want to be close to one another. Friends, um, you're going to see this thing that's happening. And, and I want you to, to, to see this and to hear it with the, eyes of, with the ears and eyes of faith what Jesus is trying to do. It says, for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. What is that one spirit? It's the spirit of love. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. I love this. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. All the people who came before you were building a foundation of love. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. You're being built together. You are growing together. It is not gonna be perfect. And I know sometimes, friends, we're just very impatient in life. And, and sometimes we think about the things we do in, in, in church. And some of you are like, Pastor Steve, everything you're saying sounds so great, but it's not realistic. I mean, come on. You're talking about LGM like it's this perfect place, and it's not. Guys, I know. I know it's not. I know we're not perfect. But we're growing, right? We're trying to build something. And yes, maybe some of you guys came today, and you felt mad awkward being around people. But what are we trying to accomplish here is we're trying to build something brick by brick by brick by brick. Okay, guys, I just want to throw out a hypothetical. What if, what if for one year, one year, every single person in here, 50 people in LGM, when you came to church, that you did two things, okay? You did two things. That you went up and you tried to connect to one person that you do not know well. Just, just say hi. How are you doing? Right? Introduce yourself to one person that you do not know. And you do that every week for 50 weeks. 50 people, 50 weeks. And then you do one other thing. That you pray and you bless one person that you are not close to as well. So you pray for one person and you connect to one person. And you do that 50 weeks in a row. 50 acts, 50 people. And we're just doing that all the time. Do you think it's going to make a difference? Do you think it's going to make a difference? Do you think if we offer that as an offering to God, like, God, we want to build this structure. We want to build into a dwelling place of the spirit of love. So when people come here, the atmosphere is different. When people come here, they feel a little less alone. When they come here, they feel a little more connected to God and to one another. They see a little less of that hostility. Do you think it would make a difference? Guys, I can't help believe that it would. This is usually what happens. You try once, just once, and you don't see a result. Or guys, how about this? I know, I, I'm, I'm just going to say it like it is, right? I'm not trying to blame anyone. But as the year has gone down, our small groups, the attendance is like dropping off a cliff. 
I, and I don't know what the reason is. Maybe you're, you all are just like super busy, your schedules, whatever. But what if, what if, what if, what if just, you just did one simple thing. You just came to small group. Everyone just came to small group and you're the, there just to connect to the community of Christ. You don't need to say some really profound stuff. You don't need to know all of the Bible, but you're just like, you know what? Rain or shine, I know I'm really tired. I'm really, really tired. I got a lot of work to do, but just I'm going to spend this one hour at small group. I'm just going to connect to some people. What difference would that make? Now, for you as an individual, because you're thinking of yourself as an individual, you're like, well, it doesn't make any difference if I go, if no one else goes. Guys, you are not the masterpiece. We are the masterpiece. When we are building together this community of grace, brick by brick, action by action, prayer by prayer, connection by connection, that is what we are trying to do. And now the praise team come up. I, I want to just take a moment and just, I want to do uh, just a couple quick things as the praise team's getting ready. And this is going to be our prayer for today. So sermon's done, guys, sermon's done. But I want to give you a chance to apply this, okay? So first thing I'm going to ask you is, is there any hostility between you and God? The reason why I put a picture of two people flanking a cross is because this is what is going to bring us closer to God. It is not our actions. It is not your prayer that's bringing you close to God. It is the realization that Jesus has completely paid for all of your sin. On his side, there's no tension. There's no hostility. God is not mad at you. Whatever you did last night, that maybe you came here at church, you're like, oh, shoot, man, I'm such a hypocrite. Jesus died for that already. Can you just accept that? Can you just fully accept that he loves you and he forgives you? What hostility exists between you and God? Can we just take a moment? Just a just, just quick moment, friends, but a profound moment, a real moment, and let's just bring that to God. Can you just name that thing that, that is causing hostility between you and God? Got it? She named that thing. I just want to real quick just pray over that thing. Jesus, we offer to you ourselves. We are not perfect. We are broken. We have shame and guilt. But by the cross of Jesus, you have defeated all sin. And now, whatever this thing was, it has been completely obliterated by the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Guys, I want to do another thing. That was so good. Uh, is there any hostility between you and your brothers or sisters in Christ? Again, same image. You get two people flanking a cross, and they're moving closer to the cross. And when they're moving closer to the cross, they're moving closer to one another. So I don't know what they did, friends. It, it might be something that, that is unforgivable by worldly standards. But remember, you have done things that are unforgivable by worldly standards. And you have been forgiven by the cross of Jesus Christ. So can we just admit, can we just bring before God any hostility that we have? Maybe it's someone in this room, someone else in LGM. Maybe there's someone not here because they feel so awkward coming to church and seeing this person. Friends, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's someone at your home church. Maybe it's someone in your family. Is there any hostility that you have towards another person? Can you just offer them up to you, up to God right now? And if you have that person, again, we hold.
hold this before God. We hold this relationship before God. God, thank you so much for dying for our sins. In the sin that divides us from one another, in the same way that you have forgiven us, we believe you have forgiven them. And so God, just as we both embrace, uh, are embraced by your forgiveness, may we learn also the truth that you are bringing us closer to one another. Maybe it's not gonna happen right now in this moment. Maybe it's gonna be a process, God, but we pray that you'll bring us on that road of reconciliation and forgiveness today. God, we are so grateful for this time that we have to pray and to come before you, Lord, knowing that you died, that you sent your son Jesus to die for us, that we could be close to you and that we could become a new kind of community, a community of no hostility, a community of peace, a community of love. We pray for that, God. We know it's not gonna happen overnight, but prayer by prayer, a little act of faith, little act of boldness, just piece by piece, God, through the little offerings we, we give you, God, take and use these things and build us into your masterpiece. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.